0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: With a huge chunk of the federal workforce still working remotely, the PIV cards employees normally use to authenticate themselves on federal networks aren't always an option. So many agencies have turned to commercial multi-factor authentication solutions as an alternative, but some of those solutions are more secure than others. To help agencies sort the good from the not-so-good, the National Security Agency has just released a guide to commercial multi-factor authentication. Dr. Alan Lang is Senior Subject Matter Expert for Vulnerabilities and Mitigations at NSA, and he joins us now to talk more about the information paper. I think for starters, maybe you can just spend a minute here talking about why NSA decided to release this publication at this particular time. I mean, is is have you been getting a lot of inquiries from federal agencies and other organizations about multi-factor authentication in these interesting last few months?
0: So, yes, uh, interesting last month is, is probably a good... Uh, uh, term to use, um, the NSA put out a, a number of cybersecurity information reports uh, related to our customers uh, trying to continue working. Uh, a lot of them were pushed to do telework and things like that. So the multi-factor authentication cybersecurity uh, report was part of that.
1: And I guess the main takeaway for me here is that in a pinch, almost anything is better than just a username and password, but not all multi-factor authentication schemes are created equal. And and just working backwards here a little bit, you specifically call out techniques like text messages, out-of-band SMS messages to your phone, and some of the commercial biometric solutions that are out there as not being the best ideas. Talk a bit about some of the weaknesses there and and why you wouldn't necessarily use those as your first go-tos
0: yeah so the um s m s and biometrics have have a uh, history of of being ineffective uh, at uh binding the user that uh is making a request to their digital identity um the nist report uh on digital identity guidance describes the the rationale for that basically you're you know, you're leaving your fingerprints and, and biometrics all over the place, um, and it's it's fairly easy to replicate. And then for the SMS, there's there's a, a ton of ways to impersonate uh, or to capture uh, the SMS messages. So that, that was considered not the best way of moving forward.
1: And the publication we should tell listeners does include a list of uh, all the various. Uh, FIPS-approved solutions that are out there. We certainly can't get into them all in this venue, but but can you take us through some of the the characteristics that you want to be looking for when you're when you're actually selecting a strong solution?
0: Given the the the, um, the need to get this out quickly, we we have some expertise here, but we wanted to to be fair, so we used uh, the criteria in the NIST digital guidelines uh document, the recent update. And we use those criteria for our search of public websites that uh, vendors were advertising solutions that met these criteria. So there the the NIST web page that has all the validated uh crypto modules was was where we started. And then when we saw the vendors that were validating their products were advertising or or indicating that they were compliant or trying to meet the the criteria, then we went into those websites and and validated those uh, products against the the criteria.
1: Can you take us through what you think the most, Or this is almost a NIST question, but what the most important criteria are for determining whether you really can trust a multi-factor authentication scheme? So
0: there's the um, the cryptographic uh, part of it. Every, every multi-factor authentication involves some sort of cryptography, whether it's a one-time password or a random number generator. So the, uh, the independent and standards-based validation that's provided by the FIPS 140-2 validation scheme uh, is, is probably the most important piece of that. Uh, the validator uh, the verifier of you know the, the request also needs to be locked down so they're not just accepting any, uh, any claim. it has to be also cryptographically and, and from a network security perspective uh, it needs to be sound. Those two together, and you see um, the FIPS validation indications in the uh, in the report, as well as things like FedRAMP or the NIST 853, which is their security controls document.
1: And as you also point out in the document, well, you don't point this out, but I'll point it out, not every agency is <clears throat> going to have the option to send government furnished equipment home with every single employee, but you do point out that that is a better option if you can. Can you talk a bit about why that's the case?
0: Yeah. So the the phrase I like to to use is is if you have a perfectly good sound uh, uh, authenticator and you put it into a perfectly compromised host, uh, whoever is controlling that host has access to those credentials. And so making sure that the credentials are in the control of the user Um, all factors of that uh, uh, authentication solution should be under the the exclusive control of the user that's representing it so uh, government furnished equipment is managed uh, with the understanding of the specific threats uh, And uh, it's more difficult to do that with uh, your own home computer. Uh, The the information isn't there, or it's the work required to to maintain that uh, might not be being done regularly.
1: Yeah, and and you also point out that if you don't have the option of sending hardware home with people, virtual GFE is is a pretty good second choice. Can you talk about how close we can get to a secure environment with that virtualized environment? So,
0: the uh
1: TENS program that is referenced in the document
0: is is an Air Force program that, that basically uh takes your hardware and allows you to boot uh to a known good image uh so that deals with a lot of the issues regarding uh you know an intruder uh, that, that might have persistence on the hard drive it basically forces the adversary to to start anew with with an attack against your system and these you know these are refreshed periodically to to maintain uh fairly good protection against the current threats as well.
1: That's Dr. Alan Lang, the senior subject matter expert for vulnerabilities and mitigations at NSA. We'll post a link to the multi-factor authentication guide we've been discussing at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do, to not do things so that you can do other things. Visit That's shipt.com/holiday. That's s h i p t.com/holiday